Lord, now as we turn towards your word and we go to this next portion of our worship, would you come? Would your spirit be here? Uh, Intercede. Lord, would you inspire us to live more like Christ? Empower us to live more like Christ? Amen. So the question I want to ask today is, why church? Uh, Maybe you have a similar story. Tell you a little bit about my story. Uh, Sophomore year of high school. I don't even know how old I was, but sophomore year of high school, I remember feeling distinctly called to vocational ministry. You know, everyone's talking, what do you want to do when you grow up? What do you want to do? And I felt really called. I want to do pastor stuff. And at that time, I experienced God in some really incredible ways, missions trips, summer camps, and I became convinced that if the Christian message was true, that Jesus died for our sins and was resurrected to give us life, and we can be reconciled to God through him, if that was true, there was nothing more important to me than being part of that work. So wanting to be part of that, that gospel ministry, I remember discerning, okay, then maybe I need to be considering being a pastor, something like that. I wanted to preach the gospel. I wanted to disciple people. Funny enough, it was while I was reading through the book of Acts in high school when I was able to discern this call. So I applied to Crown College, which is the Christian Missionary Alliance College in Minnesota, getting excited for ministry. At the same time, the church I grew up in well, my dad was a, a youth and associate pastor for about 11 years. My mom served as the worship director. We'll just say that things started to implode at that church. Uh, some really unhealthy stuff came up and some serious issues were there. And not all the details are important, uh, but from my perspective as a sophomore in high school, the church went down in a really unhealthy and damaging way. It eventually led to my parents resigning from the church that I grew up in, and it was ugly. I heard lots of people speaking terrible things about my parents and the rumors that were being spread. And I remember over that season going from, I want to be a pastor to hating church, not wanting to be part of church at all. I felt like the American church had become so corrupted and sold themselves out, I wanted nothing to do with it. I was angry. I was lost. And I decided I was going to pull a Jonah and run away. (laughs) So I went to Crown, and instead of being a pastoral degree, which is what I definitely felt I should be, I started as a worship music degree, and I had it made up in my mind I was going to learn how to play guitar really well, become a worship leader, join some missions organization, and go to some foreign country and never step foot in a church in America again. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. The church is Christ's bride. The church is the herald of the kingdom of God. The church is the reconciliation family that God has chosen to make disciples and bring the good news of salvation to the world. To hate the church is to hate the heart of Christ. If you came up to me and said, Jimmy, we love you here, you're a great pastor, but we hate your wife. She's awful. I mean, those of you who know Ariana know that that's impossible. But if you say that to me, It's not like I'd be like, oh, that's okay, you can hate my wife and we'll be best friends. No, I'm not going to hug you, I'd probably slap you. But think about it. If someone insulted the person you love most, but said, but I love you, how would you respond? The church is the same way. To say, I love you, Jesus, I just hate your bride. The church is made up of the redeemed, the children of God, and that's what was called out of me in my first semester of college. I was called out for having errant thinking. We need churches. We need the church to do what only the church can do. And I was yelled at (laughs) by an older Christian friend to not ignore my calling. 
We need to be the church on a mission. God has called us, this church, the seed community church, to raise the spiritual temperature of southeastern South Dakota. And so today, our launch Sunday, we're going to talk about what we have discerned God has called us to do. We're going to take a little bit of a break uh, from our Acts study. We'll get back into that next week. And we're going to go kind of over just who we are and what we believe and what, why we're going to do what we're going to do. And things, I don't know about for you, fall, we say fall launch, why? For those who have young kids and even ministry calendar, it seems like fall's almost the start of the year, sometimes more than the calendar year is. For us, a new church, not even a year old, it's an exciting time. We're starting a kids' church next week. We're starting a basics class. We're looking at starting a youth ministry. There's a lot going on, but the question for us today is why? Why do we do what we do? What is the purpose and what is the intent? So we're going to talk about church first biblically and then second as it applies to the the vision of the seed church. So first, let's look at some ecclesiology or theology of the church. The Greek word behind church is ekklesia. It would be a really good name for a house church if you just called it ekklesia. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, Ekklesia is a compound word. It's made up of the first Greek word ek, which means out, and kaleo, which means to call. So literally, the word would mean called out. In context, this was used as an assembly of people, people who would be called out of their homes to meet. Ecclesia is an assembly of people. So while the word church has all sorts of connotations for us, 2,000 years ago, um, it's important to remember at the core of it, it's just a group of people. So it was appropriate for people to call it an ecclesia of Christians or a church of Christians, an assembly of people who claimed to be Jesus, uh, Jesus followers. You can see probably why denominations are called certain things, the assembly of God, right? The church of Christ. It's those who are called to be followers. The word ecclesia is used twice in the Gospel of Matthew and dozens of times throughout the New Testament primarily in the book of Acts and 1 Corinthians. So let's do some systematic theology work. What is the church? First, I think it's important to recognize that the church is called Christ's body. Ephesians 1, 22 and 23 says this, And he, that's God, subjected everything under his feet and appointed him as head over everything for the church, which is his body the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. The church is the fullness of the one. The church is Christ's body. He's the head of the church. It's Christ's body. That's Colossians 1.18. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. We are Christ's body. 1 Corinthians 12.27. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. We, that means those of us who have the Spirit, which we read about in Ephesians 4, those who are saved, we are the church. We are Christ's body. I don't know if you guys know this little song, um, little kids' church song. I see a little bit of something, maybe. (laughs) The kids' church song. It's, you know, the church is not a... Okay, I'll sing it. (laughs) I am the church. You are the church. We are the church together. Anybody? Anybody? No? Sort of? Well, it starts like, the church is not a building. The church is not a steeple. The church is not a resting place. But then you open up and go, the church is the people. Yeah? You'll remember it now. Yeah. Thank you. That's why Christiana leads worship. (laughs) We are the church. We are Christ's body. 
the temple of God. We've talked about this a little bit. 1 Corinthians 3, 16. Don't you, se- don't you yourselves know that you are God's temple, that the Spirit of God lives in you? So at its core, at our core, the church is the temple of God, made up of the people of God as they've been saved. We are the church. We are. And there's two main ways of looking at the church. It's called the church universal and the church local. The church universal is all those Christians that have been saved through all of time. The universal church, church with a capital C. Historically, this was called the Catholic church, Catholic with a little c. Catholic means universal. So when you read the ancient creeds, the Apostles' Creed and other ancient creeds, it'll say, I believe in the Holy Spirit and the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints. What that's saying is, I believe in the church, universal, everyone who has believed that Christ is who he says he is. God has crafted all believers across all space and time into one glorious body, the bride of Christ. That's the universal church. But then there's also the local church. We see this a lot through the New Testament, best exemplified by Paul as he wrote letters to encourage churches across the Roman world. But look at like first, uh, Galatians 1-2 says, to all the churches in Galatia, or the assemblies of the church universal that are meeting in Galatia, right? These little micro bodies of the church as they meet. So it's appropriate to say that the seed is a church, and yet we are only part of the church. The church is God's chosen people to be his agents of reconciliation to the world, to proclaim Christ's life, death, and resurrection, and the freedom and forgiveness that's found in him. The command that Christ gives us through the gospels and the scriptures, those are the mission of the church. We have no choice as Christians, as those who follow, church, uh, follow Christ, but to do church. Because we are church. So how do we not do church? I understand that the church can be frustrating and even awful, truly. Uh, someone whose parents have worked in church my whole life, and even me, it's been the thing. I know that church can just be awful. It can be hurtful. But the mission of Christ requires us to join together with our brothers and sisters in a Christ-centered community to bring the gospel to the world in need. As one author says, to tend to the presence of Christ, to announce the coming of his kingdom, to invite the lost sons and daughters of God back into the fold. That's what the church is about. And just like, again, Paul uses this a a lot, a hand can't tell the body that it doesn't need the eye, they need to work in tandem together. We need each other. We can't do it all by ourselves. We need the church. So the local church, our local church, the seed community church. It's important for us to define who we are, what we're about, what we want to accomplish. And so we're going to go over our mission, values, and vision. In the bulletin, you will have gotten that handout. The core team has been working on these for the last six months. And I'll just be honest, I'm really excited to share about these. I'm pretty compelled by them. I hope it's illuminating for you and it will propel us into the future in obedience to what we believe God has called us to be and do. So let's dig in. First, what is the mission of not just the seed church, but the church universal? What's the mission of every single Christian? We can summarize this in two famous passages in the Gospel of Matthew. First, Matthew 22, 36 through 40. This passage is where Pharisees are trying to trap Jesus as they were prone to do. They wanted to trap him. They wanted to arrest him. They wanted to kill him. And so verse 36 of Matthew 22 says this. This is a Pharisee. 
teacher, which command is the, in the law is the greatest? Now, he's thinking he's going to trick Jesus. He's trying to trap him. But his response is brilliant. And by that, I mean the expectation would be he wouldn't be able to give an answer or he'd say, oh, they're all equally important, right? That's what we'd expect Jesus to do. But he answers this. He said to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. That's profound. Love the Lord your God with everything that you are. And the second, love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus says that all of the law and the prophets, and that's Jesus' shorthand way of saying the Old Testament. All of the law, the first five books of the Bible, and all of the prophets, everything else, all of that depends on those two commands. Love God, obey Him, worship Him, strive after Him, know Him, adore Him, love God, and love your neighbor as yourself. Historically, the church has called this the greatest commandment. We simplify it as love God and love others. And when you think about it, when you think of this way of boiling down all the scripture, it's incredible. And it can give a lot of clarity for us in our daily lives. What am I supposed to do today? Well, no matter what I do, I need to love God and love my neighbor as myself. That's simple enough for anybody to grasp, but profound enough to keep the deepest and smartest theologians engaged for millennia. The greatest commandment. But there's another great command in Matthew, and if you've been around church, we call it the Great Commission. This is at the end of Matthew, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. says this, Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. We've talked about this passage a couple times on Sundays this past year. We're going to keep coming back to it. It's that important. But Christ's marching orders for his disciples before he ascended into heaven is the Great Commission. And it is, in my opinion, one of the make-or-break-it commands of whether a church is effective. This simple thing. Is the church making disciples? That is, are they evangelizing, baptizing, teaching, and practicing the way of Jesus? Discipleship is rarely flashy. Rarely flashy. It's highly relational, and it takes a lot of time. It's investment, and it means that we need people to go first to take their own discipleship seriously so that they can help disciple other people along. This may be the not-so-secret sauce missing from many churches, especially in the recent megachurch movement in America. And that's not to pick on megachurches. It's not to. Historically, there have been a lot of incredible megachurches. I mean, we're reading through Acts. The church in Jerusalem was a megachurch. There was 10,000 people in that church. Don't know how else you'd define it. There are biblically awesome megachurches. But recently, people have defined success as church based on engagement with programs, flashy and polished worship, preaching that rivals the best TED Talks. The problem is you can have all those things. You can have the best worship team with the best worship albums and the most attractive-looking minister preaching, and you can be ineffective at making disciples, meaning you can be the best church without being a biblical church. Not to say you can't have both. You can, but the focus needs to be on what will make disciples the most effectively. 
And that's a good question. The focus of a church must be disciple-making. So at the Seed Community Church, we define the mission of our body how we expect every church would. And this is handed down to us from our denomination. To love God, love others, and make disciples of all nations. This encapsulates our need to worship and obey the Lord, to love and serve other people, and to prioritize discipleship here locally, but also missionally around the world. It's our mission. Love God, love others, make disciples of all nations. And so I would ask, we would ask that you would be excited about being on mission together. What are we doing? Loving God, loving others, and making disciples of everybody. That's our mission. And then we go to our values. If the mission is the marching orders, the values would be the ways to characterize or the filter that it goes through. They're areas we want to focus or they're trying to call things out that we value or that we want to value. They're also the way we filter out what we're going to say yes and no to. If people have crazy ideas. Do they fit our values? Then let's do it. Do they not? That's probably not for us. That's the way we decide things. What are our values? I'm going to list them all. We'll go through them, but we, it's kind of cute. <laughs> Up, down, in, out, and beside. Up, down, in, out, and beside. That's a cute way to summarize it, but let's go through them one at a time. Up. Here's our up value statement. You can follow along with the handout. We strive to worship and focus on the triune God. We seek to honor and obey the Father, to be led by the Spirit, and to follow and live like Christ. We will select worship songs that acknowledge all persons of the Trinity. We will be people who pray as our primary work, and we will do things according to God's design, not our own. Our up value really tries to nail down the focus of whom we do everything for. That is God. And we've selected explicitly Trinitarian language for a couple reasons. One, it's deeply scriptural, and it's also historically Christian. Trinitarianism has long been one of the main markers of what is an Orthodox Christian or not. It separates Christianity from many other world religions, but also sects and cults that claim to be Christian. We want to focus on all three persons of God. We are shamelessly Trinitarian. We don't want to overfocus on any one person, but using Scripture as a guide, we want to make sure we have a holistic view of God. And this highlights our dependence on God through the prayer, power, and ability to live a glorifying life. So acknowledging God's designs better, and we want to live a life that's holy, away from the waves of the world that seek to have churches capitulate by affirming sin. No, we're going to focus up. We're going to focus on God. Our second value is down. Let's read this statement together. God has given us his inspired and inerrant word and his very presence through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we focus on the spirit and truth and seek to teach and study scripture and apply it in our lives, our services, and our ministries. We are dependent on the Holy Spirit for holy living. We will be intentional in our ministries to honor what the Lord has revealed to us. With the up value, we look up and bring glory and focus to God. With the down values, where we acknowledge our dependence on what he's given us. Specifically, scripture being central to the church. Sola scriptura, as the reformers would say. We believe, as outlined in the CMA Statement of Faith, it is the inspired and inerrant word of God. Friends, if that's true, and we believe it is, that makes this collection of books, collected over several thousand years, the most important thing ever. Truly, if God inspired through his Holy Spirit men to write these books, we need to listen to the words of God. So we want to make sure we keep this central. We hold it in high regard. It's our rule for Christian living. At the same time, we know through the scripture, God has given all of his children the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God himself. 
The Spirit has been given to us to convince us of truth, to enable us to follow the Lord, empower us for ministry, and He even illuminates the Scripture for us. So we want to be people that acknowledge that the Spirit is active, moving, speaking. We want to be people who do not quench the Holy Spirit, but that keep in step with the Spirit. We want to be filled with the Spirit. We need the Spirit. We also need Scripture. Both have been given to us from God, and we want to deeply value them. We want Scripture and the Spirit to be so highly valued in our community that we just talk about it. It's just there. So up, we focus up on the triune God. Down, we receive and cherish what God has given us, and then we go in. In. We want to welcome people into the family of God by being engaging, authentic, intergenerational, and communal. We strive to be focused on discipleship, growing in love for Christ and obedience to his commands. We believe that discipleship is best achieved through intentional relationships in a given context over a long period of time. Our in value is our communal value, our community value. It's our warm, fuzzy value. It's acknowledging that church is not just a building with programs because people aren't computers. You can't download how to live for Christ. We're human. God didn't create us to be alone. We need to be in this together, the family of God, with all the good and bad that comes with that illustration. We want to be engaging. That means where we actually care for each other. Authentic, where we're honest with each other. Intergenerational, where we learn to honor and learn from each other. Communal, where we take care of each other. And all the focus needs to be on discipleship, which we truly believe, and this phrase is so important, is best achieved through intentionality in a given context over a long period of time. You've got to be known. You've got to be settled. And it takes time. There is no easy button for discipleship. Jesus, God himself, perfect man, right? Perfect. Spent three years with disciples. And I don't know if you've been paying attention to Acts. It's not like they're perfect by any means at that point. There isn't a discipleship pill that you can just swallow and become like Jesus. It's not easy. The word discipline is in there. It takes intentionality. It takes work. At the same time, it's beautiful, it's life-giving, and when we do it together, it is truly transforming. So we want to be a place where people can belong and then grow together. So while we want to focus in, we can't forget about our focus out, our out value. We want to be kingdom people who proclaim the gospel and help those in need through practical means. We will seek to be on mission to fulfill Christ's great commission, both locally and globally. We want to tangibly love our neighbors as ourselves and show our faith by our works in our local community. This is our we want to do the stuff value. We want to love our neighbors, which means preaching the gospel and helping through practical means. We can we want to be people who are active. This reminds me of a passage, maybe you know it's a famous passage from Matthew 25. It's called the passage of the sheep and the goats. Jesus, at the end, collects all of the nations before him, and then he separates them into two groups, the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Both groups, this is crazy, both groups acknowledge or seem to that Jesus is Lord. Both groups. But at the end, the goats are cast off into eternal punishment, but the sheep are welcomed into eternal life. Why? Because of who cared for the least of these among them. Sometimes churches are really great at making fat and happy goats. They're happy. They know a lot about Jesus, but they're not doing nothing. We do study after study. We have the best worship. We have the best sermon. But when it comes to actually doing the stuff, we fall asleep. 
we don't need fat goats. We need really lean and healthy sheep. We need to be people who reach out and care for all people with the gospel through really tangible and practical means. We have to focus outward. So we've covered up, down, in, out, but there's one more value we have, and that's beside. Let me read that for you. Beside, we want to see culture changed by the gospel of Jesus, so we will support and partner with other groups, ministries, people, and churches as they align in values and beliefs to see the kingdom come as it is in heaven. We aren't in this alone. Remember, it's not just the local church, it's the church universal. We are part of Christ's church. So as we discern the movements of God, perhaps outside of us, as we see the movements of God happen, when the Holy Spirit inspires revival, we want to get on that wave. So as we see those things, as they align with us, as their, their faith is good, as their values are good, we want to help them. We're not in this alone. Our goal is not just to grow a big church. We want to see the nations come to acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. We want to partner with other groups. We want to support each other. And this is already so in the DNA of our church. Think about our ministry at the Seed Coffee Shop and Eatery. How we have a ministry literally at the town corner square where we just get to love and bless and help people. Or how we've partnered with Ecclesia. That's the other CMA plant uh, Ariana and I work for. We're, we pastor there. We now have two churches. We're just tied together. We're a partnering church. So when it comes to like VBS and Crestfruit Lutheran, which is an incredibly godly congregation who loves Jesus, wants to partner with us to minister to the kids in Centerville, you better believe we want to do that with them. Why? Because it's not about us. It's not about us. It's about Christ and it's about his mission. This is about the church. This is about Christ. And those are our values, up, down, in, out, and beside. We hope that that's really easy to remember. That's part of the reason we chose such simple language. But that, that those contact, those, the content can actually start to seep down. And that leads us to our vision. Vision. What would it look like if we were to succeed? If we were to do our mission, if we were to live out our values, what would it look like? And you've heard us say it a ton, but it's compelling to me to raise the spiritual temperature of southeastern South Dakota. This is the language that the core team and I inherited from an incredible pastor who is now with the Lord. His name's Steve Walters. He helped plant this church. He coached Ariana and I when we first moved out here. And it's this. We want to see culture changed we want to see the kingdom come here in South Dakota as it is in heaven. We want to see people rescued from eternal punishment, but also to see their earthly lives change for the better. We want more. We want revival. We want repentance. We want to see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that would be so undeniable that people would just go, oh, God's doing something. We want to see God rescue the world, and we want him to do it with and through us. That's what we're about. It's not like we're doing this and God's sitting up in heaven waiting for us to get the job done. No, God's gone before us. He's waiting for us to catch up with him. Our God is a missionary God. So friends, we ask that you'd step in. This is our church, our local church, part of the biblical universal church, that we would love God and love others, make disciples of all nations, that we would focus up, down, in, out, and beside, focusing on God, accepting what he's given to us, taking care of each other, reaching out and doing it with other friends, and that we would see the spiritual temperature raise in southeastern South Dakota. That it would be undeniable that revival would break out here and that thousands and tens of thousands would come to saving faith in Christ. 
that people would be alleviated out of poverty, that the divorce rate would go down, that it would be so inexplicable that the kingdom of God has come.